Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can just peacefully. This was their finest. Today's episode of Petri Dish is brought to you by Kind Bar. Kind Bar is a thing you put into the mouth. Is this good? Is this song good to you guys? Kind is deeply committed to crafting food with real, recognizable ingredients, a disruptive notion that sparked the creation of a new, healthy snacking category. Kind is unapologetic in their efforts to challenge the status quo to shift the food industry and empower their community and our listeners to make better, informed choices about health. Kindness can be a transformative force for good, and that's why we are teaming up with Kind and Podgo to bring our listeners 10% or 15% off for military, teachers, students, first responders, doctors, and nurses. Go to podgo.co slash kind. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O slash kind to get that deal. Kind Bar, creating a kinder and healthier world, one act, one snack at a time. Welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. One of the things that we've been, uh, I think, whether on purpose or not doing over the course of the pandemic is kind of examining, interrogating, convicting, executing uh, health terms and assumptions that we have that we haven't really, really looked that deeply into, right? Like, I think that there's like, we kind of live in this, you know, postmodern dystopia where words like, you know, vaccine or virus or germ theory, like it becomes apparent that like we're not all on the same page about what that stuff means. And we don't, we certainly don't understand, well, I guess you do. But a lot of us don't understand the theory that's behind the kind of medicines and treatments and diseases that undergird our world. With that in mind, this episode is on antibiotics. Yeah, I think antibiotics is a good topic, mostly because what we actually wanted to do was do an episode on antibiotic resistance. Right. Right. Which is a really big and pressing global concern yeah. that we've actually talked about a little bit in like our tuberculosis episode and yeah. things like that. Because we wanted to do this episode about antibiotic resistance, kind of what I realized part of the way into those notes is that we haven't done an episode about what antibiotics are in the first place. Right. And that we should really kind of cover that ground. And then in the next episode, we're going to talk about resistance, where it came from, what we can do about it. So this time, what are antibiotics? What do they do? And, you know, kind of like what's a history of antibiotics. All right, cool. So I think first things first, what are antibiotics? I mean, I just know them as the things that keep my meat tasty and healthy. Oh, yeah. like your beef? Yeah, just when I had a farm, I just sprinkled antibiotics on all <laughs> my cows. You know? So the term antibiotics, it's actually not the simplest question to answer what it means. Yeah. So maybe most broadly, it's something that you take to fight bacteria. Okay, well, that makes sense because it's like anti is against and bio is life. Yeah. 
right? Yes. So we're killing bacteria, we're killing viruses, we're killing all that stuff. <laughs> well, some people would debate about whether viruses count as life anyway, but there's this broader term. <laughs> there's this broader term, antimicrobial. Okay, okay, okay. And that's some kind of drug or compound or something right. that you can use to kill microbes, right. a.k.a. microscopic living things. Like whiskey. Right, you pour whiskey on a wound, it kills all microbes, right? <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, the ethanol in there. So antimicrobial would include antifungals. Okay. And then also antibacterials. Okay. I'm saying all of this because antibacterial already is a different term than antibiotics. Yeah, what's up with that? Right, so sometimes when people say antibacterial, they mean any kind of drug or compound that you use to kill bacteria. Okay. And when they say antibiotic... They mean specifically a natural product Oh, that kills bacteria. Okay, you just you said take. the word natural? Yeah. I don't like anything that's natural. You know, like I've <laughs> gone the exact opposite direction sure, as branding in sure. Costco. You only trust the Synthetico. Yeah, yeah. I don't smoke any weed, dude. You like that PCP. So I think in some contexts, again, people will talk about it just from natural products. In the case of this podcast, when we talk about antibiotics, we're going to be talking the kind of broader sense of anything that you take that's supposed to help fight off a bacterial infection. Okay, cool. And because, you know, th there's all kinds of definitions. One of the early ones was it's something made by microbes to fight other microbes. Like okay. that's just, it's too restrictive for our conversation. Right. Either. So we're going to kind of blow things out to the Killing bigger Killing some bacteria babies. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so there's different types of antibiotics. Yes. What are they? So there's a ton of ways that you can split up antibiotics. You can do it based off of the chemical structure families. Right. You can do it based on the source of antibiotics. Right. The source. Good. The ones that are safe and the ones from George Soros. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I always, always see where my, my, my antibiotics are sourced from. Sure. Yeah. You need to figure out like which billionaire made that particular <laughs> kind of antibiotics. The Bezos antibiotics. So. Stepping down. There's. Yes. Whoa. Well, and then into the chairmanship position, right? Oh, so hilarious. Like whatever. Um, uh, that's like when Putin yeah. was like, oh, Mendeleev, now or whatever that guy's fucking name was. He's like, now you're in charge. <laughs> Psych! You know, yeah. stab, stab, stab. Fuck you, buddy. Medvedev, I think. Yeah, anyway, yeah. you can also look at their target, like what in the bacteria they're supposed to be impacting, what kinds of bacteria they're supposed to work on, right? So there's so many ways to split it up. And then another kind of concept here is that some antibiotics will straight up kill bacteria. Okay. Other antibiotics will prevent bacteria from dividing and reproducing. That's, but won't necessarily kill them. That's actually more sick to me. <laughs> so to that, fuck is to live. That that's the difference between bactericidal and bacteriostatic treatments. And bacteriostatic is what what prevents them from breeding. Right. That's like keeping them in stasis. I'm never taking Static. those again. I don't want to be part of the genocide. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to know which one's which. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're all antibiotics to you. <laughs> no, I like bactericidal. <laughs> I like that word. So some of them work on like a very specific species or like a, like a really close-knit group, like a genus of bacteria. Right. And then other ones work on like really distantly related bacteria. Right. Okay. okay. And so that's the difference between like narrow and broad spectrum antibiotics. Okay, cool. Okay. Broad spectrum antibiotics often target some kind of aspect of bacterial life that's like pretty common amongst all bacteria. Like it'll impact something about the cell membrane mm. or it'll impact something about the cell wall right. or ribosomes. 
Need like, those. Like super basic stuff that all bacteria have. Right. right. So that's how they're broad spectrum. Right. And then more narrow ones might block like a really specific thing that that bacteria does. Right. Or like a really specific part of, let's say, the ribosome. So specific that other bacteria, even though they have ribosomes... Might not have that specific fold. Yeah. Or like that little, like, you know, kind of spot that that drug sneaks into. Right. It's amazing how Republican politics can be compared to everything now, like in every episode we do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Robert Taft, the senator from the 1940s and 50s, he was an isolationist, but oftentimes worked with Democratic presidents on some other issues. I mean, not labor, but a few other things. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. He would be like a very narrow spectrum of asshole. I see. Right. But this green lady. This chick is targeting the very foundation, the cell walls around which democracy's built. I see. Beep, 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 just pewing through them with her laser beams, you know? So she's like a broad spectrum asshole. She's a broad spectrum. In that, like, a lot of people can agree that she sucks. Yeah. For, like, a multitude of reasons. Yeah. That's beautiful, Nathan. Yeah. I'm glad that we got there. On Don't belittle me. <laughs> no. You know what? I like it. I think that's really good. I just want that sharp political commentary we're famous for. Petri dish. <laughs> Comedy science what everyone wants to mix together again i like to say we are like left right and center i'm right you're left stacy's the center which is silence (laughs) in modern politics it's better when the center is silent i don't want to hear from them yeah (laughs) no no he doesn't mean you stacy he means joe manchin Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, it's funny. We have a couple of listeners that say they want more Stacy in the show. They're like, Stacey's "Why don't you guys shut up more often?" We, I, I want to. I, want, I have a gag waiting in my pocket all the all day, all <laughs> yeah. night. You, you got one of those ball gags. I'm like, "Shut me up, baby!" <laughs> it won't do it. That's a shame. <laughs> what were we talking about? We're talking about taking a break because at this <laughs> point, <laughs> at this point, we're gonna go into the history of antibiotics. Mm. It's gonna be kind of a big chunk, so you know, let's go ahead and take the break now. Cool. And then we'll slip on in there, starting out with our antibiotic history. Ooh. The following is an actual advertisement. Hello, and I am Zach, host of Podcast Junkie. Podcast Junkie is a tool for podcast listeners of all genres who are searching for their next favorite show. I review a different podcast series or season each week, helping discerning listeners like you discover new shows and connect with their creators. Each episode lasts between 4 to 15 minutes and gives you, the listener, a quick overview of the week's selection, what to expect from this show, and why I think you should add it to your queue. I'll even toss in a bite-sized snippet from an episode or even their trailer. Along with doing these weekly reviews to help you get in touch with a new podcast, I also support indie podcasts through my merch sales and Patreon contributions. Find out more about that and myself over on Twitter, at CastJunkie, or over at CastJunkie.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope I can help you find your next favorite binge. Uh, so let's talk a brief history of antibiotics. We must have had them for for like 20 years, right? They seem like, you know, we didn't have science till like 1972, right? <laughs> <laughs> One word, plastics, you know, like that's when we invented science. Yeah, so it's interesting. There's actually been a lot of effort, even from like the 1920s and 30s, basically, mm. to start looking back on our long history and prehistory right. as to whether or not kind of like medicinal folk medicine right. might have been using antibiotics one way or Which another. is, I mean, not crazy at all, right? Like, this is a great, that's a really cool way to source new shit. Right. 
<laughs> yes, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... Like, I had a baby. I was like, I don't know what to do with it. So I read some pagan stuff and I threw it in a cave. <laughs> wow, is that I was what like, they did? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what to do with it. I read some stuff from the past and I figured out a way. Sometimes they had good points. They had good wisdoms. <laughs> they had wisdom. <laughs> it's like, two moms want the baby? You cut it in half. <laughs> I didn't finish that story. <laughs> All I know is we cut it in half. Good wisdoms in the Bible. <laughs> but okay, yeah. So maybe we have had some antimicrobial shit. Yeah, so arguably pretty much anywhere that you go in the world. For thousands of years, there have been folk remedies right. that will bring up stuff like mold yeah. or dirt yeah. as ways to help stave off infection. Usually as a way to keep your dick hard. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> most folk medicine is about that. That's true, but yeah. occasionally they'll talk about wounds and infections. Cool. And uh, need a dick blade. <laughs> rub, rub some shit on it. So, for example, Nathan. Yes. Indigenous Australians. Mm, the Aboriginal. They've been using mold from, like, the eucalyptus trees. Okay, that's cool. As a way to try to treat, you know, I mean, at the time, they probably didn't know it was bacterial infections, per se. But right. to treat wounds to prevent infection. Well, that's cool. And you can see that also in, like, the uh, Balana-era Nubians, right, hanging out there in kind of the North Sudan area. Who the fuck is Balana? Uh, Balana is like the name now for like 100 CE era, like slightly uh, pre-Christian Nubian civilization. I'm so upset that I forgot a joke. <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> Were like, you there? Like, well, you're the like, Balana's the name now. And I was like, just trying to think of a pop culture joke, <laughs> like some singer who changes her name a lot or something, right? I was trying to, yeah. And I just, I just, I... The problem was I literally couldn't think of a singer. <laughs> like, it wasn't like the structure. It was just like, I was like... <gasps> Prince is the best one I have. Right. Prince and then maybe P. Diddy. P. Diddy. Oh, that's true. Because he changed it around, right? Because he was true. Puff Daddy and then he was P. Diddy. Yeah. And now he's like Sean Titty Combs or something like that. I was about to say Grimes, but she doesn't change her name. It's just her kids with Elon Musk have whack names, right? Yes, that's yeah. accurate. Like what they call new stars <laughs> before someone wins Man. an award and names them. Politics and pop culture. We're really racking it up on this episode. We're, you guys are getting your money's worth. We're a great pod. <laughs> it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the ancient Greeks, ancient Chinese... Europeans were running around rubbing moldy bread on each other. Yeah. Okay. Native Americans, Egyptians dating back at least 3,500 years. One of the oh. oldest medical texts that we have is a papyrus from 1500 BCE. Yeah. We were just watching The Mummy last night. Yeah. Well, they knew about mold. Yeah. And medicinal dirt, as they call it. Yeah. And it's also mentioned in the Talmud. Oh. Yeah, you're supposed to take some mold and mix it together with date wine. Yeah, and then you see things. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Very sexy. So, okay, cool. We're probably never really going to know if all of those molds actually worked. Right. Okay? Because it's not that every single fungus that grows on the food that we eat is going to make enough antibiotics to make a difference. Right. But yeah. a couple of the most popular kind of genus of fungus that grows on a lot of our foods is penicillium. Right. And it is where penicillin is from. And, you know, out of the whole penicillium genus, several of those fungi do create penicillin. That's cool. And, you know, hypothetically, if you made some kind of poultice out of this stuff and put it on a wound before the wound was infected, right. it might help prevent the start of infection. Right. right. Like, antibiotics can be pretty strong, even though the levels, like like right now when we get penicillin or something like that, that's like a concentrated dose. You right. know what I mean? Like that's more than just like the amount hanging out in the mold on bread or something. Right. Right. But 
the same time, if you're putting it right on the spot where the bacteria are going to be, and it's before they've really got a chance to get growing, even a small amount might be enough to help, you know? Right, sure, So yeah. basically, I wouldn't run around saying that they were totally batshit crazy here. Like, this shit could yeah. have worked more times than it didn't. Not at all. I think my attitude towards actual traditional medicines. I don't mean like what people call it now. Okay. Because she's cray cray. Sure. But like, you know, medicines that have existed in the past is like, fucking it had to work like 2% of the time, right? Like some of that shit had to work, right? Yeah, I think so. So part of the, I was thinking about this last night while I was taking a shower. Oh. So everyone, put your mental image caps on. Uh, I never see you otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> That's always my mental image. I'm always you. nude to you. Just suddy. <laughs> Sudsy, Nathan. Sudsy. Missing the Z. That's um, my nickname for you. Sudsy. Yeah, like if I made a 60s comedy about you, it'd be Sudsies. <laughs> it'd be like you, like Bad News Bears poster style, like covered in suds, like Venus de Milo. Okay. Not Venus de Milo. Venus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On the clamshell. Ah, uh, yes. Botticelli, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. okay. you're bodacious. So? Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I mean, I Fuck, think we're no. talking art this Hold episode. on. Oh, you know, I think one of the issues with traditional medicine mm-hmm. is that, you know, it was kind of an oral tradition and something that was, like, not easily transmissible to, like, a larger group of people. Right. right? So there's not very much cross-verification. Right. Which means that things that do work might survive about as well as other anecdotes that didn't actually help. Right. 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 And so it, it becomes harder to weed things out. And that's why I think the scientific method and really kind of collaboration and communication amongst people right. is kind of one of the bigger factors that's a benefit over kind of more traditional folk medicine right. from a long time ago. But it doesn't mean that they were wrong about everything. And right. so I, I do of think course. that this is a place where they could have been right. And in fact, in 2015, this research group published this paper and what they did was they went to this book from like a thousand years ago. Okay. It's this Anglo-Saxon book. Okay. Well, those guys didn't know anything. It was written in Old English and it was called Bald's Leech Book. Okay. That sounds pretty good. And so they were going through it, right? And this is like a team, you know, it's kind of a multidisciplinary team, some kind of like anthropologist-y kind of people, but then also microbiologists. Okay. Well, and as they were looking cool. through the recipes, they were looking for any that looked promising. Yeah. Right. And so they came across one that's actually a treatment for styes. Okay. You know what an eye sty is? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you get a little infection in one of your eyelash follicles. Yeah, I know someone who had that. Yeah, it sucks. I've had it before. It's oh, like shit. really annoying. I know a couple people have had it. Yeah. And so, you know, it's... I don't it's, have it. It's, I'm clean. <laughs> well, neither of us have it now. <laughs> I'll give you a week. I'm handsome. Anyway, so there was a treatment for eye styes in there. You want to know my secret? Why I'm so not oily? Why? I eat a lot of oil. Nope. And so it stays in a sack in my gut. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I've evolved a new thing. Like, I could be part of X-Men. Oh. My power is gut oil sack. Yeah, it's like a duodenum just for oil. Yeah, it's and like it goes, oil <laughs> sprays it on my enemies. Yikes. It's like, I saw hell in my eyes. <laughs> like an octopus, like, <laughs> I run out in a poof of oil. Oh my God. So fucking off topic. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Play with me. <laughs> Play. Holy shit. Anyway, okay. So look. Yeah. Bald's Leech Book. Yes. A treatment for eye styes. Mm-hmm. What is this treatment? It is a mash of garlic and onion. Okay. Mixed together with some wine. Yeah, okay. Some bile salts. Yeah, okay. And you have all of that sitting in a brass container for nine days. Before we continue? Yeah. I don't really know what bile salts are. What are bile salts? Yeah, that's bile a great question. Salt. So bile salts are something that 
maybe more than just mammals make it, but I know that mammals make it. Okay. And it's created in our gallbladder. Gross. And it gets kind of squeezed out of our gallbladder from time to time into our small intestine. Gross. And it contains a lot of different small molecules in there. Okay. That do several things, including kind of help break up fat globules into smaller bits that make them easier to digest and break down and things like that. Okay, cool. So, so that's, it's, that's one of the things we're throwing in here. Yeah, so they're useful for digestion. Right. There's also some things that suggest that it might impact the microbiome, like bile salts might interact with the bacteria in your microbiome okay. in different ways. What does the brass do? Right, okay. So I, I can actually do a rundown of all, <laughs> what all these ingredients seem to do. Okay, But cool. we'll get there in a second. Okay. One other thing I'll mention is that all this shit was in Old English. Right. Right. That's pretty cool. One of the words in this recipe was kropliak. Okay. And kropliak means either onion or leek. Okay. But it's not clear which. Did they try both? They tried both. Of course they did, yeah. So very fun. Okay, so, I mean, and obviously, this team was looking through a lot of recipes. Yes. So, like, each of the constituent parts must make sense on some level for them to have even attempted this of all the recipes. So right? when they when they came across this one, they were interested because those different parts have some potential as far as like what we currently understand. Right. have some potential to be antibacterial. Okay. So, the way that they decided to test this was on Staphylococcus aureus. Okay. And Staphylococcus aureus is a bacteria that can cause staph infections. Why didn't they just put it on styes or whatever? So, styes are a little complicated to set up. <laughs> oh, like see. experimentally. Right. Whereas it, you just get some kids, put some staph on them. Right? Well, but so so a lot of times styes are caused by staph infections. Okay, so this is not like out, this is not out of nowhere. It's an appropriate bacteria. Right. Okay. Cool. Staph lives on our skin all the time. Oh. We all have staph on our skin. I gotta stop licking myself. <laughs> it's just most of the time it doesn't infect us. Right. Okay. It takes a you know, kind of specific set of circumstances. You have to have an unclean wound or something like that. Right. Or, you know. But we all have staph all over our skin. And also, notably, it's one of a set of very common multi-drug resistant bacteria now. Mm. So we're talking about resistance next time. Okay. But MRSA, which is multi-drug resistant Staphylococcus aureus, mm-hmm. MRSA is like increasingly common nowadays. Yeah. And it's very dangerous. And they're huge Republican mega donors. <laughs> yeah. The-, the MRSA family. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That was excellent. So they wanted to test it out on staph. Yeah. Because they're like, it's kind of an appropriate bacteria. We can do some experiments with it. Um, Staph can either grow in what's called a planktonic form. Okay. That means individual kind of... That makes me think of SpongeBob SquarePants for some reason. Yeah. Planktonic sounds like... Yeah, it's like plankton. Yeah, like a a kaiju that he invented or something. (laughs) Yes, well, uh, so it's kind of a... It's like plankton. Okay. In that it's, it's form when it's floating around in liquid. Okay. Okay. Or it can grow in biofilm form. Okay. Planktonic or biofilm? Okay. Biofilm is typically more dangerous. Okay. Why? It's more organized. It's got like several layers. It's got like a 3D structure. And usually biofilms are associated with resistance to antibiotics. Right. It's like an individual neo-Nazi versus Germany 1933. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is very much like that. Okay, cool. And so... No, bad. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So they tested it on both forms. A lot of times infections, especially if they've been set up, a biofilm is more appropriate. Like, that's the more appropriate one to compare it to. Cool. So when they looked, pretty much all of the ingredients had some efficacy on planktonic Staph aureus. That's cool. Especially the garlic. Hmm. 
Garlic has a chemical in it called allicin. Mm. And allicin is pretty effective at being an antibiotic, essentially. Right. So that was cool. Allison on its own and the garlic part of it was not enough to really mess up the biofilm version, though. Mm. The biofilm version of Staph aureus was kind of tougher. Right. And so actually, pretty much all of the ingredients were necessary. But when they were all put together, when their powers were combined... Oh, that's cool. They could defeat that biofilm version. That's cool. Okay. The one ingredient that kind of doesn't matter if it's there or not is right. the brass. Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But there might be an explanation for the brass also. So Magic. I'll go through the ingredients now and talk yeah. about them. Garlic has at least a couple of antimicrobial chemicals in it. That's why it kills vampires. Allison. Yeah. And yeah, clearly why it kills vampires. Yeah, that's why um, Koreans never get staff. That's true. Yeah. Because they're always chomping on that garlic. That's not true, everybody. Hold yeah. On. I, if you're Korean. I, it just occurred to me that <laughs> I agreed with you for comedy, <laughs> but I'm supposed to actually say facts on this yeah. show. If you're Korean, you can get staffed. Yeah. Don't. Watch out. That was naughty. Uh, the, naughty. the onion, yeah. both onion and leek, yeah. the, are in the same family as garlic. Yeah. But actually, a lot of family members in there will produce a lot of chemicals, Yeah. some of which are antibacterial. And some of which are unique to that particular one. I rub white onion on any wound. Sure. Yeah. So, onions. I don't really. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I broke apart. They, they make you cry. I don't want people to know. <laughs> um, white onions seem to make some extra chemicals that do make a difference. Okay. So, garlic plus the onion was better than garlic plus the leek. Okay. And wine. Wine also. It's like got ethanol in it. I mean, right. that makes sense. And also, it's got some other chemicals yeah. in there. Yeah. That might be antimicrobial in itself. Right. Or it might also help with the extraction of those chemicals. Cool. Some chemicals prefer to be in alcohol. Cool. So it kind of comes out of the crowd. Right. It, it might come out of the mash better. Okay, cool. And then lastly, the brass. So there's a couple of potential reasons why brass was included. Yeah. One of them is if you put stuff on brass... Sometimes some copper atoms will leak out of the brass into the liquid. What, just like from straight fucking decay or like... Kind of, yeah. That's pretty cool. And copper is a tough substance for bacteria to deal with. Sure. It's like kind of intrinsically antimicrobial. Dude, I tell you what, it's anti-Nathan. I ate some copper once... Didn't came like out it. just the same, dude. Oh, uh, yeah. No it digestion. my butt. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's copper's hard to, <laughs> for a lot of things to deal with. You should have eaten it in a more convenient shape. Yeah. It, it was a not good one. It's rough because I, I had just a penny. <laughs> but I decided for whatever reason to melt them together. <laughs> oh, oh, It was like a whole ball of it. Not great. Come on, man. It's just anthropology. They just thought like you put stuff in brass stuff and it's like magic. Well, there, there is one other possibility. Okay. Which is that having it sit in the brass container might have been kind of a way to have it be a little bit more sterile okay. than other containers. Right, is that or like the goat sack? So it was like, well, sure, between sure. those two. Like the, there might have been less bacteria on the brass part of it. Yeah. So it's like, oh, it was a cleaner place for it to sit for nine fucking days. Right, right? that's a while. And then bile salts was the last thing. And bile salts... Right, that's got all sorts of shit. It's got a lot of stuff, and some of them are potentially kind of bacteria influencers right right because it is something that interacts with your <laughs> influencer on instagram yeah um <laughs> gallbladder it, instagram is like awful <laughs> well it's something that impacts your microbiome so yeah. you could imagine bacteria kind of interfacing with that right and all of them combined actually is is a better antibiotic than then separately yeah which is also kind of a big deal just conceptually yeah 
one thing, you know, to close out this particular section. Oh, we're not done yet. No, keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, so just one thing is that there have been a lot of efforts to kind of mine traditional medicine for stuff that works. Right. Okay, because it's not like scientists haven't noticed that some traditional medicine stuff works. Right. Aspirin, stuff like that. You know, like that we right. figured stuff but out. But the logic is always to like figure out the chemical inside the traditional medicine, junk the rest of it, and reduce it to that ingredient. Right. Whereas this is like, oh shit, maybe the sum is b- bigger. I don't remember the expression. Bigger, biggest at the whole. Wow. Wait, the sum is biggest at the parts. Greater is what you're looking for, but yeah, you were close. Um, no, it was good. It was good. You've been you you've been, gave me Miss Cow. You've been drinking, <laughs> but yeah. So the idea then is, hey, we've been doing a lot of this reductionist work, right? Where we take a traditional medicine, we break it down to all of its molecules, and we try to find which one's got the best activity. Mm. And then you know, hey, maybe that activity is not that good, so we'll try to spruce it up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. But maybe we do need to look a little bit more at the combinations of things yeah, for synergies that are appearing. Mm. And, you know, that might inspire us to either improve on the traditional medicine or set up our own synergies with synthetic drugs or something like that. So right. the, there's, just, there's a lot of interesting new ways to move forward with this information. Yeah, we got to give it a go, right? We yeah. like don't have any good new antibiotics, right? Well, that's going to come up a little bit later. So why Ooh. don't we... Are we ready for a break? Why don't we take a break? Stool break. And then when we get back, we'll talk about the discovery of what we'll call modern antibiotics. Ooh. And then the future. Ooh, BDE Hundle P. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. The following is an actual advertisement. Oh my god, I know words. Yeah, I love etymology. Spooky Yuki. Murder. Double murders. Zombies. Horror is always political. Mm-hmm. I don't like that at all. Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm a creep. And I'm Sunshine, her creep-enabling best friend. Together we tackle all things horror. History, politics, science, and sociology. From zombies to serial killers. Pomegranates and Pitchforks is a horror and true crime podcast that brings true stories and not-so-true stories together in beautiful and disturbing harmony. So we've we've jib-jabbed. We've jib-jabbed about a lot of the goof-ass ancient shit, Imhotep, whatever. Yep. The secrets of the Egyptian medicines. Yeah. Okay. Which was a Costco product I saw the other day, dude. They're selling this garbage-looking thing that's like secret Egyptian healing in pills. It has like an ink and like a pyramid. And I was like, yeah. oh. Ancient aliens. I was like, Donald Trump's not president, but he won, right? <laughs> this is the world we live in now. Some some scars don't heal. <laughs> some scars don't heal. Um, that sounds like a Hillary Swank movie. Some scars don't heal. So, the era of modern antibiotics was cool. kicked off with the discovery of Salversan, or Compound 606. It's a cool Netflix show. Yeah, and it, it's an arsenic-containing organic molecule. It was made by a chemist named Bertheim, and it was tested by a Japanese scientist named Hata. In a lab run by a Jewish-German scientist named Erwick in 1910. And it was explored as a cure for syphilis. I call bullshit on the whole thing you just said. <laughs> no, okay, well, that's cool. Well, that's great. So you just take a pill, you're done. Boom, no more syphilis. We just invented antibiotics. It was not a pill. Oh. It did work, it seems. But it was an excruciatingly painful treatment. Really? Because okay? this molecule, the arsenic-containing one, right. was... It has arsenic. 
Well, yeah. So that's not fun. <laughs> but also, it's not uh, particularly soluble and stuff. So to get it into kind of a liquidy form, mm. first they added a little bit of methanol. Okay. Which is the kind of alcohol that can damage your eyes and stuff like that. It's not wow. great. So you don't want very much of it. So a little bit of methanol. Mm. Some water. And then some sodium hydroxide. Okay. Sodium hydroxide is a strong base. Right. It's also, aka lye yeah. or caustic ash, okay. caustic soda. So that's like so some painful So it great though. Well, you didn't taste it at all. Yeah. You'd get it jabbed into your butt. Oh, wow. Into the buttocks. Wow. And this, then it this... injected in there. Oh, really? Yeah. And then apparently it hurt like a motherfucker for days. Wow. To the point where some people had to take narcotics to not in like okay. mind-bending pain so if you played it right it was a win-win <laughs> yeah so there's probably some people who were the, from then on drinking a lot of coca-cola yeah, yeah 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 they're like do you feel pain you're like yeah i think so <laughs> you just had the treatment you're like give me my drugs doctor well some people said it, it made it feel like their veins were on fire and stuff like wow, that and that then other sucks. people were in such crippling pain all that loud going through the, the veins they huh? couldn't get up like, uh, you know, out of bed or anything. So it, mm. it was very, very painful. It actually set off something called the Salversan Wars, which I didn't put into the notes. It's a nice little history thing. Oh. If anyone wants to look it up. Salversan Wars is basically an argument amongst doctors about whether or not it was good. Oh, um, well, it, was it like a moral hazard thing where it's like people who have syphilis should die from it? It's like that sort of it's kind of Republican. I, th- I think it was a question of do no harm. Like, does this ah, count? Because like... we know it hurts. <laughs> yeah, like bad. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, people were cutting up balls and putting shrimp balls in them, right? Like, I don't know. Like, what? It, <laughs> who was looking down on who in nineteen twenty is medicine? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. So you know, uh, there's, so there's some people bitching at each other about okay, it. Anyway, okay. Anyway, so about twenty years later, okay, in the 1930s, a team led by a German scientist, Domak. Domak developed Prontosil, which is a synthetic drug completely different from Salversan. Cool. Okay, not at all similar chemical structure. Is it because it works pronto? Like, is that like a branding thing? <laughs> Maybe, I'm not sure. Um, what, what did a German drug ad look like back then? Did it still have the music? In the 1930s, Nathan? <laughs> yeah, You yeah, know yeah. exactly what Germany was like in the 1930s. <laughs> I saw the first 10 minutes of Cabaret. It looked great. <laughs> it was just dancing. We, we, we know what, what Hitler was doing. Um, so this one is based on a sulfonamide structure in a group of drugs that are now called sulfa drugs. So Very it created cool. this whole class of antibiotics. Cool. And this guy, Domak, ended up using this compound actually on his daughter. Hardcore. While it was experimental because she had an infection that would have resulted in the amputation of her arm. Okay, that's pretty cool. And that sounds like, like a good movie. Fuck. Yeah, so he like rushed in there and was, you know, giving her this drug to try to make it so that they didn't have to cut her arm off. And it didn't, you don't even have to inject it into the butt or anything. Right, yeah. Well, that's cool. And apparently this compound was also, uh, it helped FDR out with some kind of infection. I, I don't know. Why not the big one? Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a different infection. But, uh, a little late for the big one. There's a little something. There's a little something. Anyway, oh apparently, though, this drug was also super effective at forming kidney stones. Okay, cool. Ridiculously good at forming kidney stones. And those, those are pretty rough. To not as bad as amputation, where but pretty it's like, rough. When you got this drug, they were like, drink water. Drink water right now. Like, don't stop drinking water. <laughs> because the drug basically could become insoluble and form little oh, drug crystals in the kidneys. Oh, wow. That's very sucks. painful, also. Sure, yeah. If it cropped up. So, you know, so far, I would say we don't have any slam dunks as far as the antibiotics that we got going on. Yeah, right? a little bit better, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Little got baby steps. Getting better. Well, so, where's the big P? Right. 
Give me next, that D. next guy up is penicillin. Okay. And penicillin is actually the first natural product antibiotic. That's cool. Discovered by Ian Fleming before his other work. <laughs> it was discovered by Fleming in 1928. It's cool how doctors back then were like celebrities. They didn't have a first name. They sure. just like went by one name. Just like and Madonna. Fleming. Yeah, Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> Great scientist of their age. Yeah. Uh, so she studied the Kabbalah. Yeah. Niels and Bohr. You know, there's a lot of very cool scientists. So in 1928, okay. He found, you know, this penicillin because he saw the penicillium mold growing and it was kind of like causing this area of bacterial growth to not happen, right? That's a good red, that's like ding, ding, ding. Yeah, cool. yeah. And, you know, so so basically he had that going on, but it didn't really get into the clinic until the 1940s. Right. So actually in that in-between time, there were doctors using homemade penicillin. They would basically have mold growing on plates. Hilarious. And then just take some of that, and like if their patient was having surgery, they just like rub that mold on the wound and shit like what that. What happened to Fleming between 1928 to 1940s? Did he like lose all his money on GameStop in 1929 or something? Like, well, it, it took a little bit to figure out what exactly was going on. Sure. And then at that point, also there was some time period where they weren't sure what the structure was, and it's kind of hard to scale up, right, in a reasonable way. But then to produce a lot of it, a lady, Dorothy, yes. yeah. Dorothy comes to the rescue. So Dorothy Hodgkin. Used x-ray crystallography to figure out the structure of penicillin in 1945. Cool. Okay. Which was very, very good because they figured out it's a beta-lactam structure. And with that information, chemists were able to come in and make it kind of semi-synthetically. So that you could like make a lot of it. Have you ever heard of the x-ray girls? The x-ray girls. Yeah. So this is uh, women who used to be radium girls. And the last four months of their life, they actually could look at something real close and see its molecular structure. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so that's how they did most x-ray work in the 40s. <laughs> Making a joke about terrible working conditions and the people's lives that were shattered. <laughs> it's okay because they're not us. <laughs> Nailed it. They're long dead. Who cares? Um, okay. So. They died for capitalism so basically penicillin right yeah. that hit the streets by the way by the time penicillin <laughs> hit the streets it hit the street by the time it was clinically approved there were already some bacteria that were resistant to it oh right because there's all the doctors making their home stuff sure and also penicillin is, is, is straight the... up a natural product right some bacteria <laughs> sure. are naturally resistant to right, penicillin. streetwise right yeah it's just a question of spreading it we'll talk a little bit more again next time about resistance okay but anyway penicillin set off this period from the 1940s to 1970. Right. Of like a shitload of antibiotics coming out. Right. There's this dude, Waxman. He had a lab. They discovered like 15 antibiotics just in that one lab. That's pretty cool. And it was like every year from like 1941 to like 1967, every year a new class of antibiotics right. came out. Is like Waxman like your hero? He also because he has a cool ass name. Waxman was cool. Waxman. He was all right. One thing I'll say is there was a patent dispute. Oh. Uh, he, he had some graduate students that were like, how come, how come I'm not getting any of this antibiotics money Damn, when I dude. did the lab work? Damn, and Waxman's dude. like, lol, I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, dude, Waxman go wax. So eventually Waxman and Rutgers, which is where his lab was, eventually they settled with that graduate student. Ah, and Rutgers has been shit since. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so one of the antibiotics that he discovered was streptomycin, which was the first effective treatment for tuberculosis. Okay, so big deal. Yeah, that is cool. 40s. 50s, 60s, we're just slamming out antibiotics. Okay, nice, all nice. of these new classes and Dude. a class of antibiotics means like a kind or like a fundamental structure, and then you can modify it. Right, right. So you get you know maybe a dozen antibiotics in each class. Dude, they should make like a Mad Men spinoff. 
It's all about waxman. <laughs> you know? <laughs> making, like, just, like, pounding ass and making antibiotics, dude. Slamming. Nice. I like it. Let's keep going. <laughs> so we had all of those antibiotics being created. Right. There was this huge leap in the discovery of new antibiotics. And so it's like, we're done, bro. We don't even need no more shit. Well, right? at the very least, one of the things that happened was, we have so many antibiotics, let's use them. Right. right. These are miracle drugs. They're clearing out all of these bacteria. Let's put them in all kinds of stuff. Let's put them in soap. Right. Let's use them in agriculture. Right. Right. Let's have this spread out all over the place. Right. Wash your table with antibiotics. Whatever, right. you know. And if resistance did come up for an antibiotic We class, got another. It's like, hey, we're going to discover another one in a year. So, like, okay. who cares, right? Unfortunately. Right. That was the golden age. And golden ages, they don't last. Yeah. Okay. So, sadly... The pipeline started running dry in the 1970s. Damn, okay. a lot of stuff ran dry, huh? Yes. Stagflation hit Waxman hard. It was a dry time. It was a dry time. And, you know, first of all, when they were looking out there to find antibiotics, they were rediscovering a lot of antibiotics that were already a part of a class that they already had. Cool. Right? So they're like, oh, this isn't really exciting because it's, it's just a slightly different shape than penicillin. But mm. it's like, if a bacteria is resistant to penicillin... Like, it's going to mostly be resistant to this, too. So, like, this isn't useful, right? So, they started refinding a lot of stuff. That mm. was very annoying and frustrating. And then, on top of that, there was a feeling that you couldn't really make money off new antibiotics. Right. And the reason why is, by the time point that resistance was becoming an issue, any new antibiotic was considered, like, a last resort. Okay. Right. Like, now, if you get something that can be treated with antibiotics, they'll give you kind of like the simpler, broader, common antibiotic. Right. And if that doesn't work, if that bacteria is resistant to it, then they'll bump you up and maybe bump you up. Right. And you're only going to get the newest antibiotics, like, if nothing else works. Right. But that means that your market is super small. If you're a drug company, how many people are going to use that new antibiotic? Right. Very few. Right. It's hard to make your money back on that. So yeah. a lot of big pharma companies were not into it. Okay, so the invisible hand of the market led us away from new antibiotics. Right. So in terms of clinical approval, okay, we had a class approved in 1971 and then in 85, 86. Okay, so a pretty big jump. Yeah. And then nothing until the year 2000. Wow. 1985, 1986 to, to 2000. Nice. And then from 2000... 2003, 2007, 2011, 2012. Okay, oh. that's the pipeline starting to get restored a little well, bit. Well, where did we build this new pipeline? Why are we getting all this good Canadian oil? What happened? Right. So first, I'm going to tell you what didn't happen, which was a big thing that we thought was going to work, and that was genomics. Okay. okay. In 1995, a full bacterial DNA genome was sequenced. Mm. Okay. This is like... A huge deal. Yeah. Because they thought, hey, if we got all of the secrets of bacteria. Right. If we, like, knew intricately what was going on in there, we can design antibiotics that can, like, really get in there. You know, get in the nitty gritty. Yeah. We can make ones that don't affect humans. There's no side effects. They only affect the bacteria. Um, you know how I know that's not going to work? It's the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Any neoliberal cuck dream from the 90s, you just know didn't pan out that way. Thanks, Clinton. <laughs> um, so, Yeah. That shit did not work, okay? So basically, companies like GlaxoSmithKline, AstraZeneca... Hey, I heard of those guys. Yeah, they put some big bucks into doing high-throughput screening. They tested hundreds of thousands of compounds based off of these new targets that they got from the DNA information. And pretty much none of them panned out. That's interesting. It was like a pretty big failure. Why? I think 
in part, it's because they overestimated how much information about the bacteria that could get out of just the genomic information. Right. There's all this epigenetical shit going on, right, baby? Yeah. Yeah, baby. And then I think another part of it is that there's more complex dynamics at play in the bacteria as they're growing. That makes it so that some of those things that seem promising at first are just not going to work out. So GlaxoSmithKline. Yeah. Those are all last names of like three people, right? Yeah. So someone has a name Glaxo? I think so. That's cool, man. It used to just be SmithKline. Oh, so Glaxo got in there. Yes. That's cool. They're like, our name's too boring and waspy. Like, we need to sound like the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We want to sound like a villain from an alien movie. They're like, come in here, Glaxo. Glaxo, SmithKline. So, even now, there are 45 antibiotic drugs in clinical trials. Mm-hmm. Only two of them are from big pharma companies. And uh, where are the other 43 from? The other 43 are either from academic labs or from kind of startup kind of companies or something like that. Smaller ones that are kind of trying to focus specifically on some kind of antibiotic thing. And like that's their only focus. Oh, shit. So why do we have all these newer things coming up after 2000? Yeah, that's a great question. One we're going to answer next time. Woo! Because that's all about figuring out our ways around resistance, Ooh. figuring out new stuff. So that's what we're going to be doing next time. Damn. We're going to talk about what is resistance, how does it pop up, and what's the stuff that scientists are trying to figure out to get around resistance. Oh, shit. And that's all next week on Petri Dish. On that note, guys, thank you for listening. Gotta thank Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. Yeah, let's thank uh, Brian for the artworks. And you can go ahead and hit us up on Twitter at Dish Podcast. Email at PetriDishPod at gmail.com. You have a Patreon. Mm-hmm. You can give us money. Hey, don't worry about that, though. Because when you guys hear this episode, Sean's going to be a rich man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm going to be starting a new job. Ooh! At a biotech company. Oh, man. I knew you were going to get out of get out of this this pizza box. <laughs> get, out, <laughs> get, out, get, out, get out of this slammer. Anyway. Thank you all for listening, and seriously, come back next time because the new, cool, crazy shit that we're doing for antibiotic resistance, super important topic, and we're doing some fancy stuff. Bye. Bye.